Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artist. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we're going to talk about how not to give a fark. Or a fork. Or a fork. Uh, when it comes to being an artist in your art career and putting your stuff out there, this is something that has been predominant in my putting myself out there, not in my life as an artist, because as an artist, um, I would say back in the day, I was very much trying to jump through hoops, trying to figure stuff out. You know, there's that whole process of trying to figure stuff. What is the right way of doing this? And I would say that in my more recent art career, what we have done over the last um, over a decade is just do it our way and not give a fark or fork or a fart, says Sue or a fart (laughs) about what the rules are supposed to be in the art world. Um, Let's talk about why you want to take this philosophy to heart of not giving a fork. Why would you want to not give a fork? Reason number one is because it's stressful to give a fork, (laughs) right? You get pulled in too many different directions. You might even completely lose your beginning vision or idea of what you wanted to do if you allow yourself to be swept up in the currents of giving a fork or multiple forks about what's expected of you or what you think is expected of you as an artist. I would say that one of the biggest issues is that when it comes to, so typically in the art world, you're jumping through hoops in order to get to where you need to, right? You need the validation. You need people to, in high positions of the gallery world, to accept you in, right? Whether you're getting juried in or something like that. It feels like everything in the art world has to do with something like that. You want to do a festival most festivals, you got to get juried in. You want to show your art at a gallery, you got to get juried in. And that's, that's you know, there's still like other phases of jumping through hoops that you have to go through even before that. And it's very easy in that sense, especially getting started or wanting to like level up your career. It's easy to feel like a big failure because you have to wait around for that validation in order to move forward. And there's one thing that I know for sure that is super stressful uh, that, that falls into that line of stress is waiting around for stuff to happen. No bueno. Yeah. And so when I say not giving a fark about what the rules are in the art world, I mean taking the situation into your own hands, understanding and validating yourself as you're putting yourself out there and figuring out ways to do it, even if you run into all the roadblocks. For example, when Clean and I first started, we approached galleries, and because nobody knew who we were... They uh, were like, no. No, yeah, exactly. Actually, they were low-key like, no, they were like, put your name on this waiting list, and we'll never call you yeah, again. Yeah, pretty much. That's how it was. And instead of waiting around to get the validation, we just decided, we looked around, we are like, where can we show our art? Like, where can we show stuff, even if this gallery doesn't accept us? And, you know, the best option for us at the time was the flea market, which turned out to be great because we were showing our artwork every single weekend and building up a clientele, letting people know every single weekend, hey, we're artists, 
we're doing it. We're putting ourselves out there. And we were getting our sea legs like during a time where we had the the freedom to to get our sea legs, yeah. if you will. Shan Shan says, "Artist walking that line of artist and business owner." Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> you got to wear a lot of hats. Now, what's important though, and I will say this based on the experience that I've had over the years, is that you turn the business side into a fun side as much as possible, right? So that's one of the reasons that I wrote my marketing anti-marketing book was because the idea there was the marketing, putting yourself out there should be part of the creative venture that you are already doing. It should be creative when you're putting yourself out there, not following into the boring marketing mumbo jumbo that's out there. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. This is another reason perhaps to adopt this philosophy of not giving a fork is because trotting the well-worn path is a snooze fest and it feels like work and it's really no fun and there's no guarantee that the well-worn path will even work for you because art careers are as unique as snowflakes. Yes, they are. (laughs) They are absolutely unique. And that's the thing. It's like you are either following a well-worn path, right, with everyone else. Basically, there's no uniqueness there, right? So instead of like really, really going into your own uniqueness, your own voice, your own way of doing things, you end up following a path that everyone else is doing and you you get lost in that sea of conformity, basically. And for me, you know, I, I throughout my life, I always wanted to, you know, I always called myself like a nonconformist. But it was interesting because when it came to the creative part of me, I was trying to follow the rules, you know, and the rules are so flaky. They're, they're not even real. They're just these like myths that have formed over the years of how to be an artist, how to create, how to be successful in your art career, uh, it, because People have tried it and people did this and they see an artist that got successful. So on the surface, they see all these things that they did, but they don't look deeper and they don't see the 20 or 30 years that they spent building up to that point. And the only way that they were able to build up to that point was because they did it their own way and got there. So in other words, be a snowflake and not a cornflake. Yes, be a snowflake and not a cornflake. And this concludes our podcast. Thank you very much. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) For anybody that's listening to this at home, we have our amazing Rogue Artist family here with us. So if you hear us reading comments, that's who we're reading the comments from. These are artists from all around the world that always have great insight, great perspective, and, you know, they're just generally awesome. Yes, they are. So welcome to the Rogues. Uh, making our greeting. Sorry I'm late. Uh, well, you're here, so that's great. Mary said, I know quite a few artists who have booths at farmer's markets. Right now, stuff like this is not an option for me. I've never had a solo show, but I do show my art all the time in various local galleries and group shows. Yeah. Yeah, the idea, the idea right, is not to say, oh, don't do galleries, do this, right? Because that's just, then. then we're just telling you what to do. The idea is figuring out what works for you. Um, sometimes through trial and error, and then doing that until it doesn't work for you anymore or it evolves into something else and then changing it up. Um, and really the idea bef- behind the first thing that we were talking about, right, is not, not seeking validation, not getting permission, is it really sucks to wait for other people 
to do stuff yeah. for you or to give you approval or to green light something. I would say personally, nothing sucks more for me than waiting on other people. Like, I hate it. I feel, like, anxious and lost and desperate. I don't even like waiting on, like, needing Rafi to do stuff. And, like, he's really good. We work well as a team. But, like, I don't like um, feeling that sense of tethered to to someone else's actions as far as my own outcomes. Whenever you put yourself in a situation like that where you're waiting on someone else, right? So whether it is, okay, I'm, I want to get into this gallery and now I'm waiting on their response or I want to get into this show and you're waiting on someone else's response or even if you're working on a collaboration. I know that a lot of times people work on a collaboration and you might run into um, the collaborator that just isn't doing isn't pulling their isn't weight. pulling their way or isn't doing what they're doing. And the fact is that like people have lives. So if you want to really set something up permanently, you have to be able to find a way to rely on yourself. So for example, like we do the YouTube videos and we do shows and like I've I've got the stuff on the website. I don't wait around for Clee to do something in order to put something out there. I have to be able to be self-sustaining and be able to do it myself mm-hmm. the same way as she is. Now, we do work on collaborations, but it's understood like, all right, this is, you, you better pull your weight. In any given project, right, in any given collaborative project that we have, one of us is team leader and the other one does what they can do. But team leader is like the engine that makes it run, right? So I'm team leader for the music end and the jewelry end. Rafi's team leader for the book end and the YouTube end and all that book end. Ha <laughs> ha. Get it? Um, <laughs> but this goes even as far as like, like you want to see something happen in your local area or your town and waiting on the city to do it or waiting on other artists to do it or waiting on whatever somebody to get or to get permission to do like nine times out of ten if you want to see something happen in your local area you have to like make it happen you gotta make it happen yeah oftentimes it's like one artist or a little ragtag gang of artists that decide we're going to do this thing. And that's the thing. It's like you are either taking the reins or you're waiting. I know of a lot of artists that they'll contact on on YouTube or they'll comment on YouTube and they will say, well, there's nothing going on in my area and there's no, 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 no. And then basically you just get trapped in that place where you're waiting around for somebody else to do something in order to give you the opportunities. When you don't give a fark, you just create the opportunities yourself and you do them. And with a lot of people, I remember when I did the, um, the art scavenger hunt, one of the one, a reoccurring comment that I saw on there, not many, but there were a few was like, well, you know, if I do that in my area, I'm going to get in trouble. And I'm like, you know, that was the assumption that I had in the beginning. And then at one point I was like, I don't care. I don't care if I, what's going to happen. I'm going to get a fine or something no matter what. And if I get a fine, then I'm going to, blow that up as well and i'm putting this out there so that i could connect with people and so that i could let people know that i exist i'm not gonna allow a slap on the wrist to hold me back from doing that mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's that's the thing it's like you get an attitude where you're like i am unstoppable 
and it doesn't matter what the rules are. So if you want something to happen in your town, if nothing is happening in your town, then make something happen. You know, Virginia said, yes, waiting for permission to be is soul sucking, discouraging, disempowering, just plain bad. Waiting in general is not always bad. I agree with you, Virginia. Sometimes it's good for you to wait and learn patience. Definitely. If you're like waiting for the time to launch, right? Essentially, it's about feeling like you're steering the ship. As long as you're steering your own ship, then however long it takes to unfold is perfectly okay. Unless you're in analysis paralysis or a research loop. Exactly. But feeling like someone else is steering the ship is where it gets tricky. Shan Chan said, sometimes I think I'm waiting for someone to give me permission to succeed. Exactly. It can feel really bad, right? Exactly. And I mean, and that's the thing. It's like you, when you take the reins, right, you no longer give yourself the excuse to blame someone else if there is no movement going on when it comes to you and your art and putting it out there that is because you've handed off all your power and said well the reason that i can't show my art here is because of blank the reason nobody knows i exist is because blank right people it's very easy to do that you want to blame social media companies you want to blame your town you want to blame the local galleries you want to blame your parents you want to blame your teachers you want to blame whoever it is that you want to blame that totally takes away diminishes your power in putting it out there when you don't care when you're like you know what i'm going to show my stuff anyway then you do take those reins and you're no longer waiting around for permission you just do it And especially if you get to a place, as long as you're not out there harming people, in my mind, I'm like, just put your work out there, right? However it is, what's going to happen if you decide that, you know what, I'm going to show my art on a street corner uh, in this town and quote unquote, not sell my art, but I'm just going to stand there and paint. And it's a bit, what's going to happen? Maybe, you know, somebody's going to come and say, you're going to need to move it along or something like that. And then you move it along and you move to a different street corner. You know, like, I'm like, you got to take those opportunities that you come up with in order to put yourself out there, especially, especially if you find yourself complaining that you can't. You know, if you're saying you can't, and there's some reason outside of yourself for not doing it, then you really have to push those boundaries. Mary said, I just joined one of those little ragtag groups to start getting local stuff done. That's great. We have just recently formed one of those little ragtag groups here in our local area to start getting some stuff in motion. We're calling it the Oil City Arts Syndicate. Yeah. Because it sounds... It's like slightly intimidating, right? I like it. (laughs) Shan Chan said, I think it's part mom guilt. Like, if I give it time, then I'm selfish and lacking as a mom. Oh, that can be a big one. That could be a big one. That could be a big one. And one of the ways that I dealt with that, unfortunately, I wasn't actually like putting my artwork out there, but I was still creating a lot of art. And what I did was involve the kids in a lot of the art stuff that I did that's easier once they get you know older and they're not just a little helpless blob but you I think that there was at that point I thought to myself there's such a benefit here to in some way shape or form involve the kids in it now that comes with its own challenges I you know one of the artists one of the rogues actually has had um, some of their commission work that they have 
get little extra extra Easter eggs, extra Easter eggs attached to it, um, which I thought was great because then she like posted that on social media and like everybody went crazy over it because, you know, it's just it's a cute story. Yeah. But I think I think it's not either or you are an artist and a mom. So do them both. There's no rule that says that you can't do them both and be great at both of them. And also remember that it's definitely not selfish to show your kids by example that you can be a parent, a spouse, a partner, a family member, and still keep yourself fulfilled, fill your own cup, right? You don't want to teach your kids that motherhood is all sacrifice and nothing else, right? (laughs) You yeah. don't want to teach your kids that. Yeah. Um, so remember that you actually are doing them a service by leading a fulfilling life that isn't just motherhood. Yeah. Um, that's, or fatherhood. That's or important. Parenthood. It, it's super important. You know, and, and not everybody's going to understand. You're going to have people that are like, well, that's don't finish, right? And that's their deal. That's because that those are the rules that they abide by when it comes to life and what they do, right? It's all about sacrificing their own happiness because they think that that's going to make their kids healthy when in fact all that's going to teach their kids is when you become an adult you got to sacrifice your happiness for other people and that's just not a good way to live you want to you want to be a full human you want to feel good about your life and that way you have more to give exactly beth said this has been a hard thing for me to learn this is a hard thing especially if for the most part you you grow up with people telling you what to do. You go to school and people tell you what to do. You get a job and people tell you what to do. And making that transition from nobody telling you what to do, you're calling all the shots, it's all on you, like that's totally scary. And there have been times during my art career where I thought that I wanted to go back to being told what to do because in a lot of respects it's easier But it's so much less fulfilling. Now, that's a choice that everyone has to make, right? Some people just want to, like, do their work, go home from their work, not think about it, earn their living that way, and find their outlets in other ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you do want to pilot your own airplane, steer your own ship, it is a hard transition from the way that most of us were raised. Be gentle with yourself. It takes time. And you're going to want to go back to being told what to do a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's a comfort zone. You know, it's 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 definitely a comfort zone. That's one of the biggest things of breaking out of a comfort zone. You know you're breaking out of a comfort zone when you get to a place where all you want to do is go back to it, right? Even though you know that mm-hmm. that's not where you want to actually be, right? Comfort zones have nothing to do with being comfortable. They just have to do with what you're used to, right? Mm-hmm. And calling the shots is scary. It's scary. Yeah, being the boss... Not an easy job. Virginia said, yeah, I agree about using all kinds of other things slash people to put the blame on. I tend to do that. I'm getting over it thanks to you guys. I'm even enjoying making art again. Oh, that's awesome. And that's a process for all of us, right? Sometimes I'm a real crappy boss to myself and I have to like have a, a sit down with myself. Sometimes I feel lost and I want Rafi to tell me what to do. <laughs> 
and I have to have a sit down with myself. Sometimes I'm sitting and staring. Now, the sitting and staring times can be really good times, but sometimes I'm sitting and staring from a bad place, and then I have to have a sit down with myself. Sitting and staring after you've created something and good. appreciating it, good. Sitting and staring because you don't know. Because you haven't even started yet, or you're in a place where you're like, I don't know what to do. That's not good. A good remedy for that is just make a choice. Someone said that recently. Just make a choice. It doesn't have to be the right choice because you can always adjust the choice or make another choice later. But the more choices you make, the more things open up to you. And that is a really good point because part of not giving a fark and, you know, doing your own thing, really, really breaking out of that shell is getting used to making a choice. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's a really big one. If you're the kind of person that goes to the store and you him and haw over which brand of milk to buy or like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then when it comes to just making choices, it's, you know, you're, you're, you might be afraid that you're going to make the wrong one. And everything almost becomes like this life or death thing, right? It doesn't matter what it is, but it's like, oh, I can't, I can't make the wrong choice. And in reality, you got to get used to just making a choice and then course correct as you go, right? Yeah. It's, it, if you make a choice and very soon after you're like, oh, this wasn't the right choice, then you make another choice. There's no rule that says that you have to make a choice and then you just stick with it even though it's not working. That's insanity. Sometimes like, you have to just close your eyes and scream and push the button. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Sometimes <laughs> just do I, it, just do it. I yell at myself, right? Just pick one, cleat. You make yourself do it despite yourself, and then you teach yourself over time that it's okay. It's okay. It's and you okay. teach yourself by example, just like, just like a kid. Like your inner little kid, you have to show your little kid inside that it's okay by example. Exactly. Tyler said, we used to have a local artist coffee sit in. You get coffee, make art, and talk. Love it. The organizers decided to stop running it two months ago. Really miss those sit-ins. Yeah, just organize it yourself. Yeah, so we're we're trying to establish a similar thing in our area, a rotating art night, if you will, that yep. would be hosted by local businesses and sometimes at people's houses. And, you know, I would think if you were to reach out to some of the people that enjoyed that like you did, you could still keep it going, um, you know, even if it's not in the same location or maybe in the same location. Yeah, maybe in the same location, maybe in a different location. The problem is that a lot of people like will start, you know, they'll want to organize things and then they're just too busy doing mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like a local or their co- life changes. Yeah. And- yeah. So like it's something that when when there's something that you enjoy and if you know some of the people that enjoyed it, then do it. Or if you have an idea, then Try it. And the thing is, don't try it once and then be like, oh, well, it didn't go, whatever. Like, try it, learn from that, keep moving. Try it, learn from that, keep moving. And then you have, because honestly, when you do that and you're flexible in that way, you have no idea where it's going to lead. It's going to lead to something magnificent, right? Because you're not like holding on to it, making sure that, you know, you're not micromanaging it. And like it needs to be like this, you're allowing it to grow on its own. Let's talk about this. This is a huge part of not giving a fork or stoicism, as the, our rogue fam Shroy um, put concisely in the last podcast. You want to be 
because you care a lot, right? You care a lot about outcomes. You care about your art, your art career. You care what people think. We care about a lot of things. It's a good place to be a little bit slightly detached from outcomes, that it doesn't feel like the weight of the world every time you have to make a decision. You have to, and when I say emotionally detached, it's kind of like any outcome is okay because you're going to grow from it, right? And you're going to learn from it and you're going to course correct and you're going to become, you're going to level up no matter what. In fact, making a choice that is a learning experience rather than a tremendous success is actually really good for leveling up, even more so than just having success after success after success. Like when you're knitting uh, and you're knitting successfully without any problems, uh, then you don't actually really understand what to do if a problem arises, right? It's when you like drop a stitch or mess something up that you have to figure out uh, how it actually works and why it works the way it does. That's a bad analogy, but you guys get my point. Um, So part of this is not being, not feeling so heavy about every single thing. Just and that's that's a big part of just having fun, mm-hmm. you know. Like take take all the detriment out of it, because uh, it's kind of like you know, Align Passion says, make a choice. Failure is not failure; it's feedback, and to just keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's that's essentially what it is. You know, everybody's so afraid of failure, and it's like failure is necessary. Like you you need to whenever you're doing something new, you're going to fail. There's there's no if ands or buts about it like it, it doesn't even matter how much research you do you're going to get it wrong you're going to get certain components wrong the thing is when you get it wrong you either are like all right let me course correct and let me keep going and get this right fix the issue or whatever it is or you get it wrong and then you're like oh that it's a failure i'm done you know like you just it you either keep going or you stop and if you stop then it's a failure then you could call it a failure and be like, 10 years ago, I tried to edit a video, but I got it wrong. And, you know, I haven't edited a video ever since. 10 years ago, I tried to work on a painting and I couldn't get the hands right. So I just, you know, I gave up. Like, it's ridiculous. It's Being afraid of failure is just ridiculous to me. Kelly says, what happens when your spouse doesn't understand that there is a part of your life that's not wrapped around them? Uh the the whole topic of this conversation is don't give a fark. Mm-hmm. Um, be very, very open and honest about where you stand, what your boundaries are. There's a choice to be made there, right? You have the hard conversation. Uh, it's hard to be emotionally detached from a conversation with your spouse. Um, but there is a, there is an element of like, I got to do me regardless of the outcome here Yeah, um, that needs to be in place. And also, I think that it's important to be detached because if you are detached, then you're victimized, you know, because Kelly, that that statement sounds very victim like this person doesn't understand me and I blah, blah. And so like, you know, you feel bad about that. And I get that. I understand that. But you have to detach yourself from changing that person's mind. Right. Changing that person's will. You can't change another person. They only can change themselves. Mm -hmm. So if like your struggle is because they won't change, then you're going to be stuck there forever. That's so true. It cannot even be overstated. Needing someone else to change their behavior is a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah. Because you're not going to get them to unless they want to. It's one thing if they want to, right? Have the conversation. Give them the opportunity to see things from your perspective. But if you need them to to be a certain way with you, that's going to cause you pain. I'm yeah. speaking from experience here with family, with friendships, with relationships, with whatever. Needing someone else to behave a certain way so that you can live your life is a recipe for disaster. Exactly. Exactly. Valerie said, so true, so important to teach your kids that your world doesn't only revolve around them. You teach them independence and real life skills. Mm -hmm. Zara said, ugh, being a new boss. Whole lot of gray area. It is. Artist Haven said, I don't give a flop about giving a flop. You know, you do you and I'll do me. And if we can meet in the middle, we're friends. If not, we're not. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of detachment. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Shan Chan said, I sold Amway for a while and it helped me learn to run a table and show products. I showed them outside of apartments, office, and in several public spaces. Shan Chan, that is awesome. I love that. It also taught me to talk to random people and give out my info. That's wonderful. And that's like such a huge part of putting yourself out there is just getting comfortable talking to strangers. Yeah. (laughs) Like. It is. It is. And a huge part of that is getting comfortable just being yourself. Yes. Those are the two things, right? Well, there's many things, but those are two really big ones. Being comfortable being you and talking to strangers who within moments are no longer strangers if you resonate with them and if you're being authentic. Um, Jenny said, watched a well-known juried art show on Sunday, 100 plus entries. The judge that selected the winner said basically, I looked around, this one caught my eye. The, the rest, rest meh. Meh. and that's how they decide. <laughs> yes, that's a big um, illustration of why emotional detachment is important. It really <laughs> is. I could tell you right now, you guys. Like I've juried art shows, and the only reason that art didn't get in was because there was only enough room for so much artwork, and so I just picked the ones that I like really, really liked. You know what I mean? And that was it. Um, and it wasn't because the other art wasn't good. It was a lot of really great. In fact, I would say that when I juried the shows that I've juried, all the artwork was amazing. Um, I just, you know, you, you got to pick some to let in and then pick the ones that are your favorites and give those the awards. And that's really how juried art shows work. You know, that's when people say that works not good. They don't mean that that work is not good. What they mean is, I don't really like that. That's not really my style. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the thing. That's why you got to be detached from it and not not take that kind of stuff personal. That's why you got to not give a fart. Shan Chan had, had said <clears throat> earlier, it also taught, um, oh, nope. That's the same thought behind why making bad art is okay. Yep. And I love that idea because, right, it's not even bad art. It's art that you create as you're building your skill set. And it's not even bad or good. It's just, it's art. But I do love the idea of making bad art. I make a lot of bad art (laughs) as I'm experimenting and I enjoy it. Let's be real. What is bad art, right? So when the Impressionist style first came out, that was considered bad art. Right. In fact, they got the name Impressionist because it was an insult. It was an insult. Um, Abstracts. 
a lot of Picasso's work that was considered bad art, right? You could look at that stuff and you could say, oh, a kid could do that. And it's not. It's fine art, you know? So, And that's the thing. Like, your art that nobody's ever seen before, this is new to the art world. So in some cases where you're deliberately like, this is how I want to do this, or like, my faces look like this, or it doesn't look, you know, anatomically correct, um somebody might look at it and be like, well, that's bad art because they're comparing it to photorealistic. Mm -hmm. You know, what are they comparing it to that makes it good or bad? There is no comparison because there is no stable line that you could consider good art, right? There's a lot of really weird abstract things that don't look anything like photorealistic that are considered staples of good art. And then there are things that are, different so there is no line that you could compare art and call it good or bad it's just art you're like really the only measuring stick by which to measure your art like you look at a piece of art that you create and you're either satisfied with it or you're unsatisfied but that's tricky too because if you're unsatisfied with your art compared to what right if you're unsatisfied with your art compared to somebody's art that has two decades of experience on you, or you're dissatisfied with your art compared to somebody who's working in a style that's completely different from yours, that's a slippery slope as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's an area to be to be checking in with yourself, right? Most definitely. And that's the important thing is like there is no comparison. At the end of the day, there is no comparison. Virginia said, I have a fear of failure. I get ideas, get excited, suddenly get the fear of failure, and then the idea fades. Yeah, that is a pattern. Yeah. You know, and it's great that you recognize that pattern. And once you know what the pattern is, then you get to uh, combat that pattern. And the best way to do that is, you know, you get you get excited. And suddenly the fear of failure comes in. When the fear of failure comes in, you have to consciously argue with it. It's like, well, you know what? That's not going to work. Nobody's going to buy that. And a lot of times when I'm talking to myself, what I say is like, how do you know? What are you, an expert? You know, because like I'm not I'm not an expert when it comes to me doing something new. How am I going to talk myself out of something if I haven't even done it yet? I don't know what's going to happen. So I might as well follow the excitement where it's going to take me. Try delving into it before you have a chance to talk yourself out of it. And try this on for size, you guys. Perfect art is boring. Oh, I can reproduce this exactly the same way a hundred times over, a thousand times over without any mistake. Boring. People like art that artists like struggled through and had an emotional relationship with, maybe cried over, maybe screamed at, maybe didn't. What, you know, but the emotion is part of the art. Right. I mean, the truth is there is no perfect art. There is no perfect there, art. But like, there just isn't. Like aiming for perfect art. I'm like, boring. A friend of ours called uh, the process of creating art a hunt. And I was like, that's interesting. Sometimes for me, it's a cage match. <laughs> but that's yep. part of it. Right. Failing miserably is part of it. I'm failing miserably on a, on a handful of things right now, but I know I'm going to get it. And that's part of its beauty. And it's an emotional journey, you guys. Like, it's an emotional journey. And you're either, like, beating yourself up when it's not going the way that you want it and criticizing yourself and telling yourself that it's not good enough, you're not good enough and all this stuff. 
or you do, you know, you get used to just laughing it off, you know, kind of like those moments where like you've hit rock bottom and you've got nothing else to do but laugh at the fact that like, how the fuck did I get here and just laugh and then just pick yourself up and go, you know, it's, it's those moments where you really got to bring the humor in to what it is that you do. Uh, Naomi said, hey, how are you? Hi, Naomi. Came in late. How do you stay so neutral and not care when you do care? I struggle with the balance of it all, not caring about the inner critic and the validation from others. This is a skill that you're going to build over time. Over time. So you have to be a little gentle with yourself when you do care because you are going to care too much until you don't. Yep. And I don't really know any shortcut through it. I really don't. I it, cared too much until I didn't. I would say that it's it's getting rid of the I should not care part, right? Because it doesn't work that way. It's not like you stop caring. Like you don't give a fuck about this and then forevermore you don't. Because everything that we deal with in life is going to have facets that are just slightly emotionally different than the other one, right? Every rejection is not the same rejection, right? There's going to be emotions attached to certain ones, depending on where it comes from. Every failure is not going to be like, oh, well, you know, I don't, failure is not a big deal. Sure, but not every single one is going to pull on the strings. You know, you don't know which emotional strings they're going to pull on. So the last thing you need to do is criticize yourself If you are struggling a little bit Mm -hmm. with it and just basically do whatever it is that you can to combat that and see it as a new challenge, right? Again, not every failure is the same. Not every rejection is the same. Not every roadblock is the same. And each one might need to, you might need to do what you need to do in order to get to a better place where if you run into that particular thing again, then you'll be fine. Then you have a handle on it. 12 years in, or however many years in we are, like I have become pretty cool as a cucumber when it comes to mistakes in my jewelry, my music, even getting rejected or getting ghosted or whatever. But um, recently, I had a thing that pushed just the right buttons for nuclear meltdown. In my side of the studio, I was angry, I was yelling, I was panicking, I felt like a fraud, I had a full-on existential crisis, Rafi had to talk me down from it. It just hit these facets that I hadn't dealt with yet, and then I had the opportunity to work through it. And that happens, it's going to continue to happen as you continue to do things. Yeah, you never get it done. You never get it done. So don't criticize yourself because you're having those emotions. You know, it, it always focus on the fact that you are so much better at dealing with something. And even when you run into a roadblock in that one thing and just keep going and understand like this is this is a lifelong thing. And the last thing I'm going to do is stack more crap on top of that because now I'm criticizing myself. And that's one of those things when you hear yourself like, I thought I had a handle on this, you know, that kind of stuff. Then, you know, like, no, 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 you need to be easy. Yes, you do have a handle on this. This is a different facet of that thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Mary said, love being the boss if I work whatever hours I want. And sometimes I tell myself to take the day off because I've been working so hard. Well, that's I love great. it, Mary. That's awesome. It sounds like you're a good boss to yourself. Yep. And that's excellent. And that's a huge part of this is to be a good boss to yourself. That's that's our, our mission, you know, is like getting to a place where we are really, really good boss to ourselves. It's helpful to think, um, don't talk to yourself in a way that you wouldn't talk to an employee, right? Yep. So, like, if you had an employee creating art for you, I don't think any of us do, but let's say hypothetically, and you and they created a piece that maybe isn't exactly, like, up to the level that you want it, would you, like, rip it to shreds? Or would you tell an employee that they can't take a day off? Or would you tell an employee that... They're uh, terrible for having an emotional moment or for being sad or for getting stuck or like, I think about that a lot. Like, don't talk to yourself in ways that you wouldn't talk to somebody who was working for you. Like if, if they, if they got it wrong, if they got the artwork wrong, would you go over and like grab the artwork and be like, this is shit and then throw it in the garbage and set it on fire? Right. (laughs) Like. Exactly. It's just you treat yourself the way that you want to be treated. Uh, Zara said, yeah, I just measure on technical stuff. And if there's something I'd like to learn, I go forth, but I don't even understand how to compare art. I just have my own preference. That's how it is. Bethy bear says, uh, something that photorealistic isn't fine art all in the eye. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's the thing. Like I'm not going to criticize any type of art because I, you know, I love photorealistic art. Mm -hmm. I love abstract art. I love stuff that doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. I I just, I have a love of art. Um, as far as like saying something is art or something isn't art, that's just, that's ridiculous to me. It's, it's idiotic. Shan Chan said, I don't get insulted by people not liking my art. As much as people ragging on me, especially my Southern accent, people, there's like two types of people <laughs> in the world and I don't normally generalize but there's people that have their own thing going on and they're like doing their thing and they're busy doing their thing and they're like supportive and positive when they interact with other people and then there's people who nitpick on like literally anything whether it's your accent or your shirt or your art or your uh, eyebrows or your whatever and that's because they don't have anything going on They don't have anything going on. And so what I have, like, realized over especially the past decade of interacting with so many people all the time is, like, man, it sucks to be, like, hollow in that way where you're grabbing for flaws in other people, which aren't flaws, but you're like, that's your life, right? Is that you're pointing out other people's stuff because you don't have shit going on. And... Early on, I felt, early on, I was angry about that stuff. Then I felt sorry for those people. Then I realized that's still an emotional response if I feel sorry for those people. So now I feel nothing most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes things still get to me. Well, yeah, things are going to get to you always. But that's, you know, every time one of those struggles comes up, it's an opportunity to take a look at that button inside it. It's your button that's getting pushed. It's not. It's not outside of you. It's your button. If something bothers you, it's because you're allowing it to bother you for whatever reason it is. 
And so whenever those things come up, I've reframed it in my mind where I see it as an opportunity to really, really get to know myself and get rid of those buttons that, that, you know, if somebody says something and it gets under my skin and it controls my emotions, I don't like that. So if it happens, it's my opportunity to take a look at that and see how can I eliminate the control that these particular words, that these actions, that this look might have on me, right? Because I don't want anybody controlling my emotions. I'm the one that's in full control of my emotions. And that also goes for side seat drivers and people who want to tell you what to do, who want to live vicariously through you and want to steer your life and your art career in their direction of where they think you should go, right? Because there is a lot of that in life and the art world and in any career path. You're going to have people coming out of the woodwork telling you what to do who don't do anything like what you're doing. And um, you have to give no forks about that as well. And part of that is like making sure that you're creating the art that you want to see in the world and not the art that you think other people want you to make. This is very, very, very important for a sustainable art career and for authenticity. Make the art you want to see. Write the book you want to read. Make the song you want to hear. Craft the jewelry you want to wear. You guys get the idea. If you don't know what that is yet, that's okay because you're building it. Yeah, you're, you're figuring it out. It. You're figuring it out. But don't follow the trends or what people are telling you that audiences like. Just make the stuff that you like. I can't imagine having a jewelry career, making jewelry that I wouldn't wear. And I'm very, very particular about jewelry. I only like like this many things. And I'm always building my my skill set, but I'm always having the me aesthetic in mind because I know if I like it and I'm proud of it, there's going to be people that, that have similar aesthetic that resonate with it. I refuse to make jewelry that I wouldn't wear. And I don't really want to make songs that I wouldn't listen to. Now, my music tastes are broad. And they cross many genres, so I experiment a lot. But I think you guys are getting the gist of what I'm saying. You just create what you want to create. Don't be swept up by the currents of what your audience wants, what these people think is popular, what's trending right now, what's this, what's that. Just do your thing. As I said in this week's video, create whatever the fuck you want to create. That's basically what you got to create. You know, And when it comes down to it, even if you have to question your own thoughts, right, that are telling you, well, this is what blah, blah, blah. You got to remember all that stuff. Those are all learned things that you've heard um, that you think are true. But in actuality, nothing, nothing that you think is true is true. It doesn't it doesn't gener You can't generalize it and fit it across the board. Naomi said, I had someone ask me a price of my art, and when it was revealed as a high price, he stated, you must not want to sell it. And I think that's probably true. And then he followed with, but you're a no-name. So this is a textbook example of somebody being an asshole because they couldn't afford the art, and instead of being, like, humble about it, they lashed out. Yep. This has happened to me before. It's happened to all of us, I feel like. And I learned to say, 
first off, I learned to not feel bad about it because what's affordable is different for everyone. It's across the board. I've also had people tell me that my work is not priced high enough. And it's really, it's so relative that it's laughable when somebody throws something like this at you. I heard a lady at a show say this and I adopted it because I liked it. And she basically said, when presented with like, that's a little steep, don't you think? She said, my art's not for everyone, but I don't have any trouble selling it. Yep. <laughs> and that's basically, that's basically, I I adopted the same thing. When somebody comes in and looks at art and they're like, well, that's kind of whatever. Um, my thing is like, well, you know, I don't have any issues selling it. So I'm definitely not lowering my price. Yeah. And this is, a, so this is an opportunity also to assess and think to yourself, do I have work that's accessible to everyone on every budget, right? No, you're not going to be selling things for a dollar. Probably not, unless you have something that makes sense to sell for a dollar. But do I have something that that people in different economic situations can afford? Naomi, the answer for you is yes. I know this because we've spoken to you in private. For me, the answer is yes, right? So I don't have to feel bad if I'm selling a piece for $900 because I'm also selling pieces for $35. Yeah. So like if you want to fling poo at my face because you can't afford the $900 one, that makes you an asshole because I have stuff for $35. Yeah, and especially the but you're a no-name thing. That's like, an asshole move. F you, you have no idea. I've had people tell me that I'm a no-name and I'm like, you have no idea who I am. And that's why you're calling me a no-name? Well, you're a no-name. You know, and that's the thing. It's like I don't give I just don't care. And yes, something like that, if it came up to me, what ends up happening is my defense mechanism pops up. Right. But instead of feeling bad about it, it pops up. And immediately at that point, I think to myself, like, I need to put you in your place, you know, so I might have like little $5 pieces that I printed out or whatever, like whatever, little, little tiny things or like stickers and stuff. It'd be like, well, you know, you might not be able to afford that, but I do have $5 stickers. These might be more to your liking. These might be more to your liking. Cause at that point I'm like, fuck you. They're insulting you by saying that the difference is you don't let it get to you and you put them in their place. That's that's my thing, because there are a lot of a-holes out there, and either you ignore them completely, which is much more healthy for than putting them in your place, or you put them in your place and you stand up for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's important. The way that we behave, the w- things that we say, the, the things that we act, it is fine. Other people could hear us saying it, but the person that is always there listening and observing your behavior is you. So you are either standing up for yourself and you could stand up for yourself by telling them, okay, well, I don't have time for you and that's good enough. Mm -hmm. Or you say something back and that's the thing. It's like getting, facing that thing right now, Naomi, is great because it allows you to say, okay, well, if something like that again happens, what am I going to say? Right. What am I going to say not to get them back? What am I going to say to make me feel empowered? Something that I find empowering, right, in this specific situation, you must not be in a hurry to sell it 
you're correct. I'm not desperate to sell my work. Yeah. Thanks for noticing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or you could fling poo and be like, that sounds like, oh, I'm a no-name. That sounds like a failed artist flinging yeah. poo at me, right? How many shows have you successfully done? <laughs> um, but really, things like, you know, no, you're right. I'm not desperate to sell my work. I'm not in a hurry to get rid of this painting. Exactly. Because I do pretty damn good. Because it's awesome, right? That's why you inquired about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an empowering place, but it takes a while to get there, you guys. It does. You got to be and you got to be easy. And the truth is that you have to go through that. Yeah. You know, the only where reason, you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. You have to. You do have to go through that moment in order to realize, like, oh shit, people will say stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. and we've done we've done so many shows and we've heard so many things, and it's gotten to a point where I honestly I like look forward. To like somebody giving me some shit, right? Yeah. I, I just, I look forward to it. But that's only because we've done hundreds and hundreds of shows and put ourselves out there so much that I knew that I had to change my perspective to be in a place where like, oh yeah, bring it on, bring it on versus like, I hope nobody says anything. Because um, every single one of those experiences, if you don't you know, work on yourself to get yourself to an empowered place. Every single one of those gets stacked on to, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. Right. So you got to change that lingo to like, oh, hell yeah, I want to do Let's do this. Come on. Bring it. Bring it. What you got? You know? Yeah. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Uh, <laughs> Full time artist. Come at me, bro. Yeah. That's a good t-shirt. That is a t-shirt. We do need that. Virginia said my mother loves most of my art, but there are times when she makes ick noises and shakes her head. I totally ignore it and make what I want. She is learning. Lol. Yeah, I love, I love this. That. I love this. Because um, whether it's your mom or your uncle or strangers, especially when it's your mom, though. <laughs> like, I've gone through this. Like my dad. My dad is like, you're still making those paintings about nothing? I'm like, yep. They're called abstracts. They're called yes. abstracts. And I understand. They're doing really good. They're not horses or naked <laughs> ladies. But it's brilliant and beautiful because everyone has what they like. And and for a lot of people, interacting with an artist for them is a learning experience, like hugely. Yeah. If they're open to it. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. Like artists are we're we're like magical unicorns. Like a lot of people don't know how to how to act around us and that's why like every opportunity that you have to put yourself out there and you you get more into a place where you don't give a fuck and you just you are standing in your own confidence the more powerful that interaction is with somebody even when they're being an ass i've had people completely turn their you know because they come in and they're like so blah 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 and then i respond and they're like oh yeah, because they're not expecting it. No disrespect, man. No disrespect, man. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, oh, really? Or like somebody somebody came in and was like, well, that guy must be crazy. And then I walked up to talking to somebody else and I walked up to him. I was like, well, yeah, actually, at this part of my life, I was considered like I lost my mind. And, this, you know, and I was talking to him. I was like, oh, because they weren't expecting it. Because for the most part, like it's easy to get really quiet and shy away but I'm like, no, I'm not I'm not gonna let somebody I'm not gonna let somebody walk all over me. It's my booth. This is my space, right? And that's the thing to remember. It's your gallery, your space, your art. 
this is mine. You are coming into it's kind of like what Nanu says there. Welcome to the Art Thunderdome. Like you are walking into Thunderdome if you're walking into my space, buddy. There is only one Highlander in this tent. Exactly. Okay, and it is I. <laughs> Jenny said, I was told I don't even know who you are. And I, in a burst of something, said, And I don't know who you are. <laughs> That's awesome. It was valuable because I was so shy and it didn't kill me. I effing love that so much yep. and it's true right they're like i don't even know who you are and you're like i don't know who you are either <laughs> it's it's one of the most brilliant things it's beautiful I've ever heard. i love it uh that's so good valerie said we should definitely not give a fark about what an a-hole a-hole has to say it's hard but one of the most important times to actually not give... Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Shan Chan said, I like the sass. Not because it's going at them, but because it shows confidence and that is inspiration. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm not saying to like, you know, don't... The one thing that I don't do is get mad and then lash out, right? Because... Let's be honest. When you get mad and you lash out, you're not being authentic. You're not being true. You're just being hurt. And you, it it doesn't, you don't, I have never gotten mad and lashed out from a place of victimhood and felt empowered. No, you just don't. You don't. You know, and then later on it sticks with you. So what I do is I stop, I breathe, and I'm, I have certain words that I repeat to myself, right? So like in response or repeat to them, like when something catches me off guard, I'll look at them and I'll say, interesting. Right? That's my go-to response. Fascinating. You know, because then it just kind of clears. It gives you the moment. It gives you the moment. Tarot said, I go quiet and let them live with their mean old self. And that's, you know, like if you have nothing witty in that moment, because a lot of us get caught off guard and it's not till later on when we're showering and getting the funk off of ourselves that we're like, damn it, I wish I had said this thing. But even if you just allow yourself to go to one of those responses like interesting or cool, man. Yeah. Right? Like, well, you're a no name. Cool, man. Cool. <laughs> I, I've i used that one a lot, too. I'm like, sweet. And <laughs> Have just, a good one. Just nod your head and just be like, cool. <laughs> the, the, the other one that I'll do, like when it's something that I really am not sure of, I'll just look at them and I'll be like, Pleh. And just kind of like yeah. the, the lap, and then I turn around and whatever. It, it just, because, you know, when it comes down to it, you got to think of it almost like, like a bully. Like, why is somebody going to say something like that? Somebody's going to say something to put someone down because they're trying to make themselves feel better in their miserable effing lives, right? And I don't, you know, that's, that's me just projecting, right? Because that kind of comment, I, it's funny. I go all mama bear. Yeah. And whenever somebody like picks comes at the rogues. comes at the rogues because I'm like, ooh, let me just if I was there, I would make you eat crow. But it, but it's one of those things where like you just get to a place where you don't, you don't care, you just don't care, and the only way to get there is little by little, right? Because mm-hmm. you might care about this and you don't know that you care about it yet until that comment comes up and then you're like, f. You know, or you might care about this, but you don't care about this thing. So if somebody says something, you're like, bah. you know, and it's it's not beating yourself up and taking care of the situation right then and there so that you're not doing the lingering 
thinking about it later on. And if you are doing the lingering thinking about it later on, what you're doing is using it as a virtual game to see what can I say next time something like this comes up that is going to make me feel like a badass. Bless your heart, said Marty. And Beth. <laughs> That's good. I love it. Bless your heart's a good one, too. Yeah. Uh, Virginia said about the magic of artists, I went to public to get still life material, tomatoes, and I told the bagger to be careful with them because they are destined to be art. He got very serious and treated me and my tomatoes like gold. It was wonderful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Wendell's here. Hi, Wendell. Hey, Wendell. Wendell. Wendell said, usually it's just me making the ick noises. <laughs> <laughs> me too, Wendell. Me too. I'm my own worst one, right? Mm-hmm. I try to be better. Aligned Passion says, yeah, just step back and watch the interaction. Don't use someone else's reaction to hurt yourself. Boom. I love that. That's great. Boom, indeed. One time I was caught off guard by somebody's comment and I started explaining and then literally just went into blah, 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 blah. Like literal, that's what was coming out of my mouth. As they were turning to walk away... (laughs) Because I was like, I don't have the energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get blah, 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 blah. Like, that's Blah, what, blah, 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 blah. That's what this calls for. Yeah. Right now. I don't care if they understand Gen- any of it. Jenny just shared one that I've used a lot. She said, I just remembered once I said, thank you. It made no sense. Oh, I yeah. use that all the time. And it's, yeah. it's not just thank you. It's... You got to pick. You got to pick which one is going to fit for you, right? So you either look at them, like they'll say some shit, you know, it's like, well, you're a no name and just kind of look at them and it's either a serious thank you. Thank you. Or it's a thank you. And that's it. You just leave it at that. It's like when someone gives you the finger and you wave back. (laughs) Same thing, which I highly recommend, actually. People don't flip each other off as much today as they used to, like back in the 90s and 80s. But waving Every, at everybody someone, was given the bird back then. Yeah, waving at someone who's flipping you off is is a good response, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to time. Uh, but oh, I we're think here. This was a, <laughs> I think this was a great conversation about not giving a. Yeah, and I mean, you know, honestly, we just kind of scratched the surface. I know. Not giving, you know, because it's like you, there's going to be a lot of interactions that you have with haters and naysayers and stuff like that. But there's also the interactions that you have with your own head. And then there's the interactions, the relationship that you have with your art. And then there's the relationship that you have with other people that are supposed to be supportive and all that stuff. And really, one of my most empowering things, whenever I get into a place, for example, even with financial worries, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's say things things pop up, and I will sometimes just stop and remind myself, you know what? I don't give a... Bleep. Yeah, let's have a little bonus section here for money. It's really easy to give all the boop about how much money you currently have. And sometimes you have to say it out loud. Yeah. Like, I don't give a boob. I'm moving on. Yeah. I'm moving on. You're moving on, Clee. And that's <laughs> and that's where that's where a lot of times that's the contradictory thought that I'll have with whatever the stick man is trying to get into my head is I don't give a bleep. 
I've got better things to do right now. I've got better things to do. You Staring know at my account is not going to make money yeah, appear. Whether, and whether it's that or somebody said, you know, somebody said something at a festival or whatever it is, I don't have time for this. You know what? Next time this happens or I'll deal with this in this way, that's what I'm going to do. Got called the B and politely let them know it was me, Miss B. <laughs> it was Miss B. Miss I love B it, Bethany Bear. <laughs> Miss B, if you're nasty. Yep. That's great. Thank you. Uh, I love it. Yep. Where I live in Spanish, there's a saying that translates, that's not your problem. Yeah. What is the saying? Go ahead and share it, artist. Marty. Marty. I meant to say Marty. I said artist. You are an artist. Gail said, I love that, Marty. Yeah. Zara said your relationship. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, we're getting to the end where I can't yeah. read words anymore. Your relationship with yourself is the most important thing, like one hundred percent, the only thing that ultimately. Matters. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because the way that you interact with other people is a reflection of your relationship with you. So if you allow people to, if if something gets under your skin, first off, it's because there's a part of you that feels like that's the truth. Right. And so later on, when it is getting when it gets under your skin and you realize that it gets under your skin, that's the part that you're attacking. Right. You're going to it's not the other person that you're like, oh, they made me feel this. No, you made yourself feel that way because part of you believes that it's true. Um, Part of you believes that you're a no name. And so in my mind, that's where I come up. So, for example, the way that I would deal with that is say, well, that's bullshit. You know, I'm out here. I'm doing these shows. This was something that in the beginning I had done like three. I was at the flea market, had done a month worth of stuff, didn't sell anything. And for somebody to call me a no name, I was like, dude, I'm out here doing it. You know what I mean? Like what what the F are you doing other than walking around criticizing people that you don't know? And also, you're right. I am just getting started. So look out. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I have a name. I was born with, I'm sorry if you don't have one. It's right here on this painting. Yes. Rafi. Uh, Marty said, no importante etu. No importante etu. Uh, Rafi's grandfather had a saying that he liked to say, that used to make Rafi really angry when he was a teenager, yeah. when everything felt serious and important. It was, eso no es nada, which yeah. basically means, eh, it's yeah. nothing. Yeah, ah, it's nothing. And as an adult, it's like Rafi's favorite oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when something comes, you know, because like we are the ones that make it so like, oh, I can't believe that that person or I can't believe that this is whatever. And you stop and you're like, you know, what? it's nothing in the grand scheme of life. Like this is nothing like this is a hiccup. This is a thing that I have control over. I've just told myself that I don't because I think that what this person said is what's bothering me or this situation is what's bothering me. I have control over my emotions, my perspective, and how I feel. I could I could rewrite the narrative here. And so, like, looking at something that all of a sudden is, like, the end of the world, and I look at it, and I'm like, ah, eso no es nada. And it rolls off the tongue it. really well in Spanish. Yeah. It's so good that Rafi's got it permanently engraved on this thumb ring here. I do. Um, find that thing that you can reach for. When it's money, when it's an asshole, when it's whatever it is, eso no hay nada. <laughs> yeah. Or, no, I don't got to do this right now. I don't have to do this right now. Exactly. I don't have to worry about this right now. 
I got better things to do. I have better things to do. I have better things one. to do is a great one. Wendell said, especially in this digital world, money is just numbers on a page anyway. It's basically not even real. <laughs> yeah. It's never been real. It's, it's basically, never it was real. paper. But, you know, we're hardwired to... going to be like, so this is paper too. Hmm? I can draw way better pictures on this paper than it's on that paper. <laughs> um, but we are hardwired to worry about our resources. Yeah. Um, and try to look out for ourselves and each other. And so money can be a really tricky one. Well, but... yeah, because we roll it into all the resources, mm-hmm. right? Now, it's not like looking for shelter and, you know, looking for food and whatever. We've rolled everything up. Money into... represents all of it. Money represents all of it. So it's easier to go into fight or flight about it. But you have control over that. Like, am I going to stress about this? Am I, you know, am I? Because the reaction is... If I'm not able to pay this bill, I'm going to die. That's basically what it's like. And so you go into fight or flight. And the truth is, if you're not able to pay that bill, then you can't pay the bill. Fuck it. You know, that's it. That's where I'm like, fuck it. I don't care. It'll work itself out. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so let's uh, let's take two more comments here and then we'll close out because we have definitely gone over. Okay. Uh, again, the only thing that a person can control is their attitude and their actions. Shan Chan, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Naomi said he, the the person in question here that dropped the poo flinging comment, was a retired drummer and seemed to have been a little sad about it. But when other artists speak, I feel like it has weight. Right. Yeah. That's the problem. That's the problem is that some of the... I I wouldn't I wouldn't put weight to it because if you're running into a very successful artist they're not going to treat you that way. If you run into somebody who didn't who kind of stopped and never got to a place that they wanted to because they used excuses, they used other people or whatever and they just didn't feel fulfilled in their own creative life. Those are the meanest people out there. And they have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. So, yeah, don't don't automatically assume that because someone is or was an artist that their words have weight. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself because that's your story. You got to change that narrative for something that works that's much more empowering because you don't have any control over what that person might say. Right? So if you're adding weight to it, if you're adding gravitas to it, then... That's on you. You're the one doing that to yourself. So, so just work on that little by little. Work on that again. little by little. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much to the Rogues for being here. Um, you guys are absolutely amazing. This conversation was awesome. And again, you know, all of you guys out there, just don't give a fark and do your own thing. And if you are feeling any kind of feelings that make you feel less than question, question everything. That's where I'm at. Just question everything. And thank you so much to everybody listening to this. You guys are absolutely amazing. I totally adore you. And if you like this and you would like to subscribe to more, whatever platform you're on, go ahead and click somewhere around here to follow or subscribe. And other than that, it is time to say goodbye. You want to say goodbye, Clee? Fork that. No, I'm kidding. Good day. Adios. <laughs> Total awesome day.